How many of you are familiar with this logo? This is the Sherwin-Williams paint logo. Some of you are very familiar with it, some of you painters out there. They came up with this idea that they were going to paint the world and uh, be the number one paint for the world. And uh, that idea is, uh, well, God had that idea first. <laughs> and if you'll remember the verse in Habakkuk, it says this, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There's coming a time when this world will know the glory of God. Every human being will know it and see it. All eyes will see Jesus return. Everyone will be impacted by the outpouring of God's glory upon this earth. We are a part of that purpose. So what is the glory of God? Is it a bright light? What are we expecting this world to be filled with as the waters cover the sea? The glory of the Lord is his love. His love for us is his glory. It is the most wondrous and majestic thing. We celebrated Christmas because God so loved the world he gave his son. And Jesus demonstrated God's love for us on the cross in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the display of his glory. That's the demonstration of his glory. And that glory is an everlasting love. And what is to be poured out into this earth and that all mankind would know is how much God loves them. And we need to understand that. There was a moment when Moses was standing upon the rock after delivering the people out of Egypt. He wanted to see more of God. He saw his handiwork, he saw his power, he saw his might, but then he said, show me your glory. We want to see the glory of God manifest, and Moses wanted to see it. God said, it is too awesome for you to behold, or you will die. It's too much. He said, so I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will walk past you and his hand before his eyes. And Moses was able to see the back of God and his glory. And God spoke in that moment of what his glory was. I'm going to read it to you. And he said this in Exodus 34. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquities, transgressions, and sin. So, Moses wanted to see the glory of God. You can see it, but you need to understand it. God explained himself to Moses. You want to know what God is? You want to know who he is, how he acts? Listen to what he said about himself. He said that I am compassionate and I am gracious. I am slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. I keep loving kindness for thousands who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sins. Now, 
The interesting thing about this word loving kindness, in the Hebrew it is hesed. Hesed. The problem is there is no direct translation from Hebrew into English. We don't have a single English word that formulates the concept of this Hebrew word hesed. As a matter of fact, um, Miles Coverdale, who translated the first English Bible in 1535, created a hyphenated word in English to try to explain the fullness of what hesed means. And he came up with the term loving kindness. I mean, loving should be kind, shouldn't it? He's trying to formulate what this word means. Many translations of the English Bible have tried to formulate the depth of the meaning of this word. Some have interpreted it faithful love. Some call it wonderful love. Some call it steadfast love. Some translations say it's an unfailing love. It's a great love. It's a love that's really love. How do you say this? And that's the glory of God. It's the, this love that is steadfast, that is wonderful, that is unfailing, that is faithful. It's great. Loving kindness just doesn't cut it. You know? How do you call the love of God? What do you call the love of God? Probably the closest thing to it is covenant love. Covenant love. A love that is committed. A love that will not fail or quit. A love that is faithful. A love doesn't, that doesn't cease. A love that doesn't stop when you quit on it. A love that won't forsake you when you forsake it. A love that will never fail you. Because it is completely committed. And that is the glory of God. He is so committed to us. Do you understand human history is all based on this love of God for us. From the garden and protecting Adam and Eve from the eternal tree of life to Noah saving a family because he so loved us he wanted to rescue us. To save Israel so that he could bring the seed to promise. I preached on this two weeks ago. Get the tape. Wow, is that old? We don't sell tapes anymore. <laughs> Listen to the MP3. But it is a love so amazing. It is, in fact, what history is about, and Christ demonstrated it at the cross. It is a covenant love. It is a, a love that is deeper beyond anything we could think or comprehend or imagine. King David said this in Psalm 17, Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. The hesed of God. This loving kindness, this wonderful love, this never-ending love. Psalm 25, remember, O Lord, your great mercy and loving kindness, for they are from of old. It's his glory. This is what he wants to cover the earth with, his love, his loving kindness. It was demonstrated in the sacrificial system. We call it atonement. It's a love covering. It's a love so committed to us that despite our sin, he'll still love us. Despite our rebellion against him, he will still pour out his love. We're the ones who estrange ourselves from him and he runs after us. We're the ones who sin against him and blaspheme him and he still loves us because he's committed to us. This is the love. 
that we're talking about. It's beyond our comprehension. We only want a love that's reciprocal when we love other people. But this is a love committed despite even what comes back at you. It is a love. Parents know this love. You love that child. You created that child. That child rebels. That child uh, may even come to a place where they reject you, but your love never stops. You begin to know this love of God. Trying to grasp it. And we have this word atonement in the Old Testament so that God can continue to love even sinful Israel in the rebellion. A good way to remember atonement is at one meant. So that Israel could stay at one with God and receive his love, he created the sacrificial system. It started in the garden, didn't it? Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They broke covenant with God. It's the first divorce. Man divorced from God. Hosea 6-7 says that Adam broke covenant. And God wanted to still pour out love and be at one with man. And so he made a covering for Adam and Eve. And in doing that, he sacrificed the innocent for the guilty. So he could still love and they would be in his presence. And he covered them. That's what atonement means. It's a covering. And in the book of Leviticus, it talks about it in 20, chapter 23, 27 to 32. Leviticus 23, 27 to 32. And it says this, the first application, the first thing that's necessary for atonement is affliction. It says, it shall be for you a time of holy convocation you shall afflict yourselves and present a food offering before the Lord. So what is this affliction it's talking about? It's talking about repentance. I'm sorry. You want to restore love? You want to restore relationship? Repent. The only way that we can enter in the fullness of God's love is if you and I would repent and we would come to the cross where Christ died for us. You cannot appropriate this grace from the cross unless you come to the cross and recognize this was done for me. You have to identify yourself as a sinner. You have to identify the fact that you are showing this love to me and I am not worthy. Then you can begin to understand this love. And so we're to afflict our souls and say, oh God, forgive us. The second thing is the sacrifice, the covering, that the innocent dies for the guilty, that God so loves us, he covers us with his love, despite our sin. He covers us. That's the offering of the sacrifice and the covering. I think of the prodigal son who took his father's inheritance, rejected his father, and left with the cash. Went and partied all night, all week, all month, all year, till his money ran out, and so did his friends. He needed to get some food and money, and he ended up working in a pigsty. And for a Jew, this is an offense. Same, same concept of saying you're just, you're living in hell. 
And he finally came to his senses and said, I'd be better as a servant in my father's house. And he comes back home and his father sees him and his father runs to him. Did his father ever stop loving him? No. Did this love of God ever cease for the son? No, but the son rejected it. And the father ran to the son and the first thing the father did was said, he said, take a bath, you stink. Is that what he said? No. He ran to him and smacked him and said, how dare you treat me like this? Is that what he did? No. The first thing, the first thing the father did was he called for the robe to cover, to cover his son. But you don't want to put that robe on him. He smells like pigs. He's got mud and dirt all over him. No. This is my son who was once dead is now alive. Cover him with the robe that says he's mine. With the robe that says this is his home. The home he had forsaken. With a robe that says, I'm his father. That's what atonement is. That's what this has said is. That's what this love covering is. As God told Moses, I am a God of loving kindness, of love covering, of covenant love. I won't forsake my promise. That's the love he has for you and I. There's no greater demonstration for him to give that robe of love covering you and I despite our failings, despite whatever we've done. He loves us so. I can prove it to you. Peter asked Jesus, listen, how many times do I have to forgive someone? Right? I don't know who he was talking about. We could speculate. How many times do we have to forgive someone? And what was Jesus' answer? Seventy times seven. Okay, that's 149. How many is that? 490. See, I, I was an art student, not a math student. 490. Okay, who's counting? Anybody got a chart hanging up? on your refrigerator. <laughs> That's it, 490, boom. Jesus said, seven is the number of perfection in the Hebrew concept. So 70 times seven would mean what? Always and forever. You forgive. What? Yes, and then he goes, tells a parable, and at the end of the parable, he talks about forgiving as your Father in heaven forgives. How many times will God forgive you and I? Always. Why? Because of his steadfast love, his said love, his loving kindness, his covenant love, his love that is committed to us that will never die. It is a perfect love. And it was demonstrated at the cross of Jesus Christ. 
while you and I were yet sinners. Do you know that Jesus died for every soul on this earth? What a shame that there are people who reject or never know what was done for them. To know this love. This love God wants poured out on this earth. It's been his plan. And so he said this, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. This is the King James Version. It's the best version, I feel, that explains this verse by saying, God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you and I. Why were we forgiven? Because of God's love. His love for us, so he sent the Son. And watch this, this, the genius of God. That God's love for us is demonstrated in Christ, whose love is perfect and unfailing. If God's love was based on us and our abilities, what would happen? We would fail. That love would fail. This love cannot fail because his love for us was presented by Christ to the Father. Christ represented man, and his love is perfect for the Father, and the Father's love is perfect for the Son. So that is the covenant love you and I walk into and are secured into. The love between the Father and the Son is our love, and it's protected by Christ's perfect love for the Father. We were forgiven for Christ's sake, a perfect love demonstrated, given to you and I. And this is the love he wants us to give where? To the world. This is his plan that he loved us so much, he poured out his love through Jesus for mankind so that we would enter into that love and now we would give this love to this world. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So it starts here in the body of Christ. Are we loving with a chesed love? Are we loving with a committed love one to each other? Are we demonstrating this love? It is not easy. How many of you know that? And so I want to bring you to a verse found in Peter. Because this kind of love covers a multitude of sins. And this is the kind of love that we're supposed to be demonstrating on this planet, on every continent, as the waters cover the sea. If you want the glory of God revealed, we're to love as Christ loved. See, we're all waiting for the glory of God to come like a sunbeam down from heaven and shine all over and we're going to have a party and it's going to be great. God's going to do everything. He enlisted you to bring his love into the earth. That's the glory. His love in you, demonstrated by you, will bring his glory as the waters cover the sea. And this is how Peter tells us to do it. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. 
There's the atonement. There's the love covering. There's the caring. Oh, the church needs to understand this. We defend our doctrines. We defend our rights. We defend what we believe. We defend this and this while we do not demonstrate this love. And Paul said, you can have every spiritual gift. You can give your life for anything you want. But if you don't have the love of God, it is useless. What do you think these gifts are for? What are these spiritual gifts supposed to do? Minister the love of Christ. Oh, pastor, this is a fluff message. What are you giving me love for? I want to know what the wheel inside the wheel was that Ezekiel saw. I want to know when the Revel book of Revelation is going to happen and the seventh seal is going to be what? Well, if this isn't deep enough for you, I don't know how deeper to go than the very nature of God himself. Now, let's break this down, okay? This is, in fact, a word picture that Peter creates. And he says this, above all. So let's take some time and discuss this. We've got another hour here. Let's figure out what Peter's saying is probably the number one priority for the church. Let's see. Is it tongues and interpretation? Is it spiritual gifts? Is it water baptism, dunk or sprinkle? What do you think is the number one priority that Peter's trying to tell us? Love. Above all. Above all. Above everything that's going on in your life today. Above all. Love like Jesus loves. Secondly, keep Keep loving. Now, the Greek word for this word, keep, means to cling to. It means to hold on tightly and don't let go. It's the word to cleave. Therefore, a man shall leave his mother and father and what? Cling to, cleave unto his wife. That It's to hold on. Above all, hold on. And it's a perpetual. Keep doing this. Keep holding on. Keep demonstrating. Keep operating in love. Keep doing this as the number one thing that you do. Keep loving. What kind of love? Agape love. It is the highest form of love in the Greek language. It is the love that is self-sacrificing. It means that you esteem others more highly than yourself. It means that you will give to others before you give to yourself. It's more blessed to give than receive. It means that you give and love others. This is what Christ demonstrated. This is what he did. He says, I show you, I tell you a new law, a principle. Love one another as I have loved you. So above all, keep doing this, a self-sacrificing love. And I'll tell you what, this is what the church is known for throughout history. Where do you think hospitals originated? Asylums for the mental institutions. Where do you think all of these originated throughout history? Saving aborted babies in the Roman Empire. Those children that were rejected and cast out. Orphanages, hospitals, care. Giving one to another. The church demonstrated this from its first day and forward. They shared everything they had in common. 
And throughout history, the church has been known for this. Above all, keep loving. Please, please don't let your political affiliation interrupt this. Oh, I can't, I, I can't reach across to them. You know what their political affiliation is. How dare you cheapen the cross of Christ for some political, some opinion. There is to be no prejudice in the church. There's no. Look, now we, we have to find our way through all this, but can I tell you the way to find through? Above all, you keep loving. You keep loving. Then he goes on and he says this. Earnestly. Oh, I just thought you wanted me to love. Now you want me to love fervently with every fiber of my being. This isn't cheap love. This isn't, uh, you need something? Here's a quarter. Right? Sure, I'd be glad to help you. I could squeeze you in. I've got about 15 minutes. What am I asking of you? Nothing. It's him. (laughs) He's the one doing it. What is he asking of you? To inconvenience you? Absolutely. To stretch you? Absolutely. He's saying to the church in this hour, above everything else you do, you perpetually cling to loving and loving fervently. This word for earnestly and fervently literally can be applied from a medical dictionary, meaning to stretch a muscle and its tendons as far and as straining as it can reach. With all strenuous effort, you love. But it hurts. Yeah. But you love as Christ loved the church. And he says, because this love, it covers. The Greek word for this is calypso. Calypso means to cover completely. You might know this term in its opposite word, apocalypso. Apocalypse. What's an apocalypse? An unveiling. But love covers. Calypso, it completely covers. What does love cover? A multitude of sins. What? All sin. In fact, he's, Peter gets this reference from the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 12, which says, love covers all offenses. Christ so loved the world, he died for us. Wow, we were yet sinners. This love covers you, even the sin you committed this morning, the sins that you'll commit tomorrow, this love covers, because it is committed to you through the covenant of Christ Jesus, as he is perfect in love with the Father. 
I'm supposed to love one another fervently, stretching as much as I can with all my effort because love covers a multitude of sins. I'm to cover your sin. I'm not to excuse it. I'm not to dismiss it. You're to repent of it. You're to get right with God. I'm to cover it. Your brothers and sisters are to cover each other. You confess your fault to me, it stays with me. I know your weaknesses, but I'm not going to let anybody else know them. I'm covering for you. How many of you need somebody to cover for you? This isn't an excuse to keep on sinning. You don't want to offend God. But what it means is this love will cover you. I'm going to protect you. You may have offended me, but I'm still loving you, and I'm going to protect you. And I'm going to cover you. This is a love that we don't understand fully. Uh, probably the best illustration I have that I could think of with this word picture was a fitted sheet. How many of you have ever tried to make a bed and put the fitted sheet on the bed? Not a new fitted sheet, a fitted sheet that's been through the washer and dryer a couple times. And you put it on one corner, right? And you wrap it around, and then you go to the other opposite corner and stretch it across. You gotta, oh, that's earnest, earnestly stretching your love. Then you go to that third corner, you pull it, pull it, pull it. And of course, they make mattresses three feet thick now. How many of you, we got a new mattress. We need a stepladder into our bed. You fall out of this thing, you're going to hurt yourself. I mean, beds used to be here. Now they're here. And the fitted sheet is this big. And you're trying to pull it down under the mattress. And then you have that last corner. How many of you know some last corner people? Last corner people. They're the people that you have to stretch your love over. And it's not going to come easy. This isn't going to be good. This is so hard. And you earnestly pull for the stretch. And how, you're right, you pull, and what happens? Pop! <laughs> no! But you have to do this. That's, that's what it takes. That's the love that it stretched. You know, it's, it's a funny thing, and we're funny people. Working with people, we're so funny and weird and crazy. But God did this for us. It's a love. From the first he said about himself to Moses, I am a God who stretches himself over you to protect you from every other nation. I'll stretch my love past your rebellions. I'll stretch my love past your rejection. I'll put you in a time out to Babylon, but I'll never forget you and I'll bring you back. I'm a God that will stretch out as much as I can. I'll be as patient as I can, but I will love you continually. That's the love that stretched. That's what Christ did on the cross. He stretched his arms out wide for you and I to demonstrate the length, width, and breadth of this love that will never separate from us. And he calls us to do likewise. That's the love covering. That's the glory that is supposed to cover this earth. You're the covering.
I don't know about you, but I got to get my act together. And I got to learn how to make this bed and sleep in it. I've got to cover better for my brothers and sisters. Sometimes I say things that's not covering. Sometimes I think things about other people that's not covering. When I consider how he loved me and for Christ's sake I've been forgiven, I've got to cover and forgive my brothers and sisters. How about you? Let's bow our heads.